The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine 2022 Player Review Podcast. I'm Josh Nelson, and during the offseason, we'll dedicate podcast episodes to individual players, recapping how the past season went for them, covering their highlights, their lowlights, and having guests join me to grade their season and look ahead to what the future holds for them. In his age 34 season, and following his 2020 American League MVP campaign, Jose Abreu was the White Sox reliable power hitter in 2021, bashing 30 doubles and 30 home runs to drive in 117 RBIs while putting up a 831 OPS, driving a 124 season OPS+. Once again, Abreu had fought off age regression. Entry 2022, Abreu, now 35 years old, but after the promise of the 2021 season for the White Sox, it seemed like a good year to hand off the baton to another young White Sox power hitter to lead the team in home runs and RBIs. Abreu shouldn't be the only White Sox hitter to put up 30 home runs at 100 RBIs with the likes of Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. Plus, Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets were waiting for their chance to prove themselves as the next in line to possibly take over for Abreu. And that uncertainty of Abreu's future with the White Sox, that shadow of a doubt casted over the entire season in 2022. After the lockout, the White Sox increased player spending to record heights, but here's Abreu, still playing under the final year of his three-year contract he signed before the 2020 season. Could Abreu put up another outstanding season despite being 35 years old, to entice the White Sox to bring him back or draw the attention from other ball clubs to net another big payday. Abreu's preseason Zips rejections for the 2022 season were 27 home runs and 109 RBIs with 614 plate appearances. Zips also projected a slash line of a 264 batting average, a 331 on base percentage, and slugging 475, a 786 OPS equal to a 117 OPS plus for Abreu's projections in 2022. Very solid numbers for an aging power hitter. 
After going hitless in the opening day loss at Detroit, Abreu had back-to-back multi-hit games against the Detroit Tigers. But he didn't have a great homestand against playoff hopefuls of Seattle Mariners and Tampa Bay Rays. Even though the White Sox won both series, Abreu went 3-for-22. He did hit his first home run of the season, though, during the homestand. The White Sox were 6-3, having won three straight series before starting a span of consecutive divisional games. With the American League Central expected to be a below-average division, it was a time for the White Sox to pat on their division lead. Instead, disaster struck. The White Sox lost eight of their next nine games. Abreu joined his teammates in that cold spell, hitting just 6-for-33 during that stretch. The White Sox were below 500 at the end of April, and Abreu was looking at a slash line of a 217 batting average with a 308 on base percentage and sluggy just 348. That opening weekend success in Detroit did not carry over to the rest of April. Unfortunately for Abreu, it proceeded to get worse in May. After a 5-1 loss at home to the New York Yankees on May 15th, Abreu went 0-4 in that game with two strikeouts and it sunk his season slash line to a 197 batting average, a 272 on base percentage, and slugging 311. Call it what you want. The cold got to Abreu. Maybe the lockout messed up his season preparation. But even though it was expected that the younger budding stars of the White Sox were to step up, Abreu appeared to lose a step as he only had three home runs of the season. The team was 16 and 17 and three games back of the Minnesota Twins. In the next series against Kansas City, the White Sox won three out of four games and were back above 500 while Abreu had a bit of a bounce back. He was four for 13 against the Royals, but he walked five times. He carried that momentum to the Bronx and started a 12-game hitting streak. At the end of May, Abreu's slash line was looking better. A 244 batting average, a 340 on base percentage, and slugging slightly below 400 at 399. Yet the White Sox were still a game below 500 at 23-24 and five games back of the Minnesota Twins. Then Abreu got red hot in June. In the 26 games he played in June, Abreu had 11 multi-hit games. He had his first multi-home run game on June 13th, going 3-for-4 with four RBIs as the White Sox beat the Tigers 9-5. to Two days later, against the Tigers, Abreu went 4-for-5 with two doubles and a 13-0 win. Abreu would later torment the Los Angeles Angels pitching at Anaheim as he finished the last series of that month going 8-for-13. Abreu had a 9.64 OPS in June, and suddenly his season line was very Abreu-like at a 284 batting average, a 375 on base percentage, and slugging 451. What wasn't Abreu-like was his home run and RBI totals. Entering July, Abreu only had 9 home runs and 35 RBIs at 72 games. That's just a 20 home run and 79 RBI pace. Yet the slash light was looking terrific, the hits were coming in bunches, but not a lot of home runs were on display for Abreu, and unfortunately, not a lot of runs were being scored when Abreu was on a hitting tear. Quite abnormal for Abreu in his major league career. He didn't slow down in July. At one point, Abreu had a 19-game hitting streak, and entering the All-Star break, Jose Abreu had a hit in 27 of his last 28 games. 
with 13 of those 27 games coming away with multi-hit games. After a big road series win at Minneapolis, Abreu had a season slash line of a 304 batting average, 387 on base percentage, and slugging 470 with 11 home runs and 46 RBIs in 90 games played. The White Sox were back at 500. They were 46 at 46, just three games back of the Minnesota Twins. Now that record and where the White Sox were in the American League Central standings was a dilemma because the upcoming trade deadline was pushed to August 2nd in 2022. As the heavy preseason favorite, there were a lot of questions swirling around the White Sox heading into the All-Star break festivities in Los Angeles. Was the series win in Minneapolis a sign that they were finally waking up and would take over the division? If not, would the red-hot Jose Abreu be available in trade? I mean, it made sense. Abreu, again, is in the final year of his contract. If the White Sox felt that this wasn't the year, they could move their slugger before the deadline. But the White Sox front office still believed in the team. They held on to Jose Abreu, and at the end of July, he was hitting 302, 384 on base percentage, and slugging 468. But August was coming. By far the most successful month in Abreu's career where he averages seven home runs and 23 RBIs in August games. That's an insane average for any player in their career for a particular month. With the trade deadline in two days, the hope was August Abreu would arrive again to help power a slog of an offense. Against Kansas City, Abreu had back-to-back games with a home run, driving in three RBIs. So three games in August, Abreu already had two home runs and six RBIs. It surely felt like August Abreu had arrived. It turned out to be an illusion. Abreu would not hit another home run until September 13th. Abreu had an excellent batting average on on-base percentage, though, with a .333 batting average in August and a .390 on-base percentage. But Abreu just slugged .405 in August. That's a monthly isolated power of .072, which is Nick Madrigal territory. Suddenly, the once-feared power hitter had become a singles machine. The White Sox suffered another losing month in August, and were now 64-66, now five games back of Cleveland in the American League Central. I would like to tell you in the final month, Abreu snapped out of his home run funk, to put on a laser show, but he didn't. That home run he hit on September 13th was the only one in that month, but he did hit 11 doubles, the most in any month of the regular season. Abreu actually had 40 doubles in 2022, the second highest amount behind his 43 doubles that he hit back in 2017. Yet the White Sox were making a last-minute season rally as Aloy Jimenez finally emerged to help power the offense, along with newfound teammate Elvis Andrews. The White Sox were 76-72 and 72 on September 20th, with Cleveland arriving. It was a chance for the White Sox to narrow the gap in the standings. In that opening game, the White Sox coughed up a 3-1 lead and saw the game go into extras. When Kendall Graveman allowed two runs in the top of the 10th inning, a sinking feeling was felt at Guarantee Rate Field. A two-run deficit to Cleveland meant all-star closer Emmanuel Classe was arriving. Andrews would cut the lead with a hustle RBI fielder's choice as he beat out the double play, and he would later steal second base to put himself into scoring position. 
But Class A struck out Yohan Makata, and now with two outs, the game came down to Jose Abreu. Class A got ahead in the count 1-2 and tried to wipe out Jose Abreu with his devastating slider, but the aging White Sox slugger found a way to punch the pitch to right field. Andrew scored, the game was tied, and despite facing the game's best closer, Jose Abreu once again helped save the White Sox. Unfortunately, Jake Diekman made a mess of things in the 11th inning. The White Sox lost that game anyways, 10-7, and soon after the season unraveled, where they finished 81-81, and severely performing below expectations as the Cleveland Guardians won the American League Central with 92 wins. As the last games were played, heavy speculation began about Jose Abreu's future with the White Sox. Is this goodbye? Are we watching him play? For the last time in a White Sox uniform, when the team traveled to San Diego and finished at home against the Minnesota Twins. On October 4th, the second to last game of the season, Abreu hit a double to go one for three in that game with a run scored. In his final plate appearance, his walk-up music changed to Tina Turner's Simply the Best. It was odd timing. The final regular season game was the next day. Why would you change the music now? Why would you do this? You still got one more game left. In the bottom of the seventh inning, Abreu grounded out to third base. After the game, interim manager Miguel Cairo announced Abreu would not play in the final game of the season. Still, many White Sox fans are hoping to applaud Abreu for his time with the White Sox if this is truly it. But the fans that attended the last game of the season watched that team lose 10-1 to and they were never given that opportunity. In nine seasons with the White Sox, Abreu played in 1,270 games out of a possible 1,356. That's 93.6% of the games. He collected 1,445 hits, 303 doubles, 243 home runs, batted in 863 runs with a career slash line of a 292 batting average, a 354 on base percentage, and slugged 506 with a war total of 31.9 according to baseball reference. Abreu won the Rookie of the Year in 2014, the American League MVP in 2020, made three All-Star teams, won three Silver Slugger awards, and in seven postseason games, Abreu hit 321 with a 406 on base percentage and slugged 464. If this is truly it, Jose Abreu finishes with a higher career war than Paul Kodurko. Yet despite his tremendous individual performance, the White Sox were 70 games below 500 during Abreu's tenure. His future with the White Sox is in doubt. But now entering his age 36 season, after Abreu hit a career low in home runs and RBIs, it does raise questions of what his future market will be to any other major league team. We'll tackle those topics as we continue our conversation about Jose Abreu after a quick word from our sponsors. If you've been getting your coffee from the grocery store and drinking the same coffee every day, it's time to try something even better with Trade Coffee. It's so easy to get fresh roasts delivered to your doorstep from local roasters around the country with Trade. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment is required. 
Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee they know you'll love fresh to your home on your preferred schedule, and you get to support small local businesses. This is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or you want new type of coffees to try and you need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make your coffee at home. We have a Keurig at home with the filter that allows us to use coffee grounds instead of the pods. And one of my favorite brews that we just got is this Ethiopian blend from Coffee Roaster Broadsheet out in Cambridge, Massachusetts. What I like about this blend is it reminds me a bit of black tea, which I love. But this blend has a great caffeine kick that really helps me in the morning. So whether you're just getting started or you love coffee for years looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash socksmachine. That's drinktrade.com slash socksmachine for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Helping me recap Jose Abreu's 2022 season and maybe his White Sox career is Jim Margulis, the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. And hello, Jim. How would you sum up Abreu's 2022 season and possibly his White Sox career? I think we're going to need about a half hour to do so. It's been a long (laughs) and uh, storied one personally and and too short and too unstoried when it comes to the way the franchise couldn't really build around them. Yeah, we will definitely have a goodbye Jose Abreu podcast episode if Abreu does not return to the White Sox again. The door is left open for Abreu to return, or I guess the door is more open for the White Sox front office to decide if they want to bring back Jose Abreu. But I shared Abreu's career numbers in nine seasons with the White Sox, Jim. And he now has a higher career war than Paul Conurco. When you rank the all-time White Sox first baseman at DHs, do you have Abreu personally, or I should say Abreu on your personal list ahead of Conurco? I think there are two ways to look at it. In terms of like quality of player, in terms of like impact breadth of skills, like Abreu uh, was a better defender than Conurco, or at least... 
I would say Canerco was a better defender earlier in his career. Abreu eventually caught up to him and surpassed him uh, a little bit just in terms of range and ability to uh, contribute. It was a rough start, but he got there. Um, and then base running, you know, Canerco offered no base running value. Abreu could surprise you on occasion on base paths, like only 11 stolen bases in nine years, but he, uh, we've seen him make a number of plays with his legs, infield singles, uh, scoring, uh, from second when need be, uh, memorable dashes home on wild pitches that weren't that wild. So he could occasionally pull off a play with his legs that Canerco could never dream of. So when you look at the wins above replacement, it's not surprising just because, uh, Breu didn't have a decline phase yet. He didn't have Canerco's, um, you know, the the lack of secondary skills that Canerco had. Canerco was like good at scooping, uh, okay at throwing, but like range was non-existent and just really didn't offer much uh, besides the ability to hit and hit well. And Abreu matched him in hitting and hitting well. So I think Abreu was the better player in terms of White Sox careers. It's still hard to top Canerco. It's just you know as long as he played second on the all-time home run list. Certainly the World Series ring and what he did to help the White Sox personally get that World Series ring, uh, three postseason appearances, three division titles, in fact. So Abreu had that, or sorry, Canerco had that, that Abreu did not have, and that's really more because the team, uh, the front office, could not build around Abreu, despite having pretty favorable terms for Abreu's entire career uh, contractually, like Canerco, or sorry, uh, Abreu really did never underperformed his contracts. The, even the extension we thought was generous turned out to be pretty good, uh, in terms of pretty good value for the way Abreu performed. So, uh, Abreu did his part, but I think in, just in terms of White Sox career, like his impact on the franchise, I, I still think Canerco has a leg up. That makes a lot of sense. And when you do look at Abreu's career, I mean, again, the White Sox were 70 games below 500 in the 1,270 games that Jose Abreu played with the White Sox. Like, that's a, just another reason why the White Sox need a new front office, Jim. They, they wasted Jose Abreu. Like, nine seasons in Major League Baseball is a long time, even though his service time is, mm-hmm. is about eight years. Uh, still, though, all those games just, just wasted. Most of those just absolutely wasted with a trouble direction or a purpose direction of sinky to the bottom. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, when you look at like the first core, they wasted also Chris Sale, like the uh, most dominant per start per season pitching performance we've seen, like pitching career we've seen is not fondly remembered. Like people remember the way Sale went out, especially his last year between uh, the Drake LaRoche thing and the cutting up jerseys. And thought like, oh, this guy's a head case. This guy's, you know, a problem. And, you know, perhaps he was, but, you know, just the White Sox cannot, you know, we saw Sale become not a problem with Boston because they had enough of a winning infrastructure with the team to where, like, they could absorb his personality quirks and his occasional flare-ups and more or less shrug it off role with it, take his strikeouts and his excellent ERA and uh, supplement it elsewhere to where, like, if he's the loudest voice, like, you know, or he might be the loudest voice at times, but he was not the most respected voice, and he wouldn't really carry carry the room like the way David Ortiz did or Dustin Pedroia, like, you know, that kind of, like, uh, that... that era of Red Sox baseball, like was still alive and well when the Red Sox, you know, picked up sale. So like, even if, you know, some guys were on the decline phase or on the way out or had exited the clubhouse, like that era of Red Sox team was still there. 
and and did not need Chris Sale to lead the way. So yeah, it just you know Sale was at the front of it, and then Abreu was you know sustained even longer in terms of just this mired in mediocrity state. And you know when he vowed to resign himself, uh, part of me felt you know. Uh, I guess happy. That's like, oh, this is kind of nice. That's not a baseball business decision, and you know, fans who really like to bray you get to uh, enjoy having him around for one to three more years because he originally accepted the qualifying offer before signing the extension. So that was like a little bit refreshing on one hand. On the other, it was a little bit like it felt a little bit sad in terms of like you know, there there are better places for you. <laughs> you know, there are easier situations to where you do not have to do it all yourself and you don't have to be, you don't have to absorb so much failure around you. You can just go into another lineup and be, you know, maybe the number two option for driving and runs and creating offense versus the number one with, you know, these, these kind of flaky performances up and down around him. That was maybe, you know, so I think this time around seeing the free agent uh, cycle, the contract year being a handle a lot more, normally and business-like makes me feel a little bit better for him. Uh, it's just like a matter of like, okay, he can kind of see that, you know, this is just a lot for him and for anybody. And there are better organizations probably to find a job with that, you know, he might want to explore. Well, we're going to explore that in a moment. Jose Abreu had a higher OPS in 2021 than he did in 2022. Yet... His OPS plus and weighted runs created plus were higher in 2022. Now that's because hitting overall Major League Baseball dropped pretty significantly from last year. That's why I'm a bit wary when people say that Jose Abreu was a premium hitter in 2022 because his weighted runs created plus was 137 in 2022. It would have been around 120 or below in 2021. That's the difference between last year and and this year, as far as hitting across the board in Major League Baseball. But because there are so many teams and players to cover, national writers are going to point to Abreu's WRC Plus and OPS Plus and say that he's still an elite hitter at age 35. Is that true, Jim? Would you consider Jose Abreu an elite hitter? I would say not elite just because first baseman, you have to hit more than 15 homers to be elite. Like if he were, you know, this kind of on base percentage plus double digit home run power, uh, plus above average, you know, batting average and OBP, and he played an up the middle position, you might be able to call him elite because that set of skills can go a long way. But I, I still think like most teams expect home runs from a guy who can only play first base and he didn't deliver them, especially late in the year. They, the power production really dropped off. So short of elite, but above average, very good, um, especially just given his age and the way people expected a, a sharper decline over this three-year contract than he gave them. It was a very muted decline. In some ways, he got better, so he was able to compensate for some areas where he got older. It's all very good. Like Nothing about Abreu's uh, 2022 season should really be held against him because, you know, like I've said before, if you told me in... 2020 or before that season when he signed the three-year deal we were all a little bit skeptical of that he would provide you know that kind of OPS plus weighted runs created plus uh number while you know maintaining his secondary skills of being an okay first baseman and playing 150 games like I would say yeah that's 
I'll take that. I'll sign up for that every time. You, you just hope that, you know, Andrew Vaughn or yes, maybe not Vaughn at that time, but like Aloy Jimenez and uh, Luis Robert and Yohan Mikado would be taking over the offense to where like if he hit 15 homers, he'd say like, oh, he doesn't have to be the guy anymore. So that's OK. And it turned out that that total almost led the team. And that's not OK. So that's why it's hard to uh, say it's elite because, you know, in, in this lineup, which had a disappointing offense all year round, we saw what the lack of home runs does for an offense. Like it just, it's hard. The White Sox found it hard to have a quick strike capability and Abreu's uh, diminished power was maybe not at the center of that, but it was a contributing factor to the White Sox just having a really hard time scoring crooked numbers. Yeah. He only hit three home runs after August 1st. Like that might be the biggest surprise about this 2022 season. What we have learned from Jose Abreu in his previous eight seasons. As I mentioned in his recap, Jose Abreu usually averages seven home runs and 23 RBIs in the month of August. For him to only have two homers and two doubles totaled, four extra base hits in the month of August, yeah, suggests that maybe something else was up. Was he hurt? Change in approach? So I, I'm with you that I... I want people to be careful going into this offseason, especially for those that don't follow the White Sox every day like we do, Jim. They may fall into this trap of saying, well, hey, Jose Abreu had a 137 WRC+. plus. He was elite last year. So for a future team that might be listening to this episode as we point out the positives and maybe some of the concerns, let's talk about the positives. If a team was going to be trying to attract Jose Abreu, or maybe the White Sox front office is, needs someone to change their minds. What do you think are the positives in any team signing Abreu for 2023? I think there's just the fact that he's tough as hell. <laughs> like he's uh, When you saw like the White Sox, their inability to keep players on the field and all these soft tissue injuries and their inability to manage stuff. Like, you know, if Abreu at 35 years old had... One of those injuries that cost him time and, and, you know, put him on the shelf along with so many others, like you'd say, like, you know, well, he's getting older. And also, if the White Sox training staff is this bad, um, then, you know, perhaps, um, you know, this is their start of decline. But he played 157 games, probably could have played more, should have played 158. He should have appeared in the last game of the season, at least just even for a uh, go out to first base, catch a pickoff move and then wave to the crowd. You know, he played 157 instead. But you look at the games played total 154, uh, sorry, 145, 154, 159, 156. 128 when he had the double groin maladies with testicular torsion, which is not a, thankfully, not a chronic injury, just a weird uh, one-off case where he needed some emergency surgery and the White Sox weren't playing well, so he could take it easy in September. You know, then 159 played all 60 games of the pandemic season, 152, 157. So he's shown the ability to uh, not get hurt. And when he gets hurt, he's able to play through it reasonably well um you know sometimes yeah the bat looks a little slower what I have you but like he's he's in there he's giving you good at bats you know by and large and he's comfortable playing first base every day it's not like playing dh does not need to be off his feet so you know he's a credible defender so i think uh if a and there are some bad first base performances out there to where like even a brayu in this diminished state where he's slugging 446 like he can help a team and, you know it's a case where it might be hard to give him more than a one-year contract and, and feel good about it just because, you know, perhaps that uh, diminished ISO is part of like a drop-off, especially if the ball doesn't change. But uh, 
for what he gave the White Sox, like a lot of teams would gladly accept that is like having a guy you can pencil in at first base every day and not have to worry about it because, you know, we'll talk about some potential landing spots, I imagine. But, you know, there are some first base situations where teams didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, very true. I, I do like that you point out that he's tough as hell. As I mentioned earlier, Jose Abreu has played in 93.6% of the games that he was eligible for the Chicago White Sox in, in nine years. I mean, if you're going to give someone 10 plus million dollars and you know that they're going to play 150 plus games for you, well, that's money well spent, especially if Abreu continues to be a three plus war type of first baseman, no matter what his slash line looks like. Let's talk about the concerns. What are some red flags that the White Sox or other teams should consider going into 2023 and beyond when approaching Jose Abreu? I think it's the ball. I think he's somebody who yeah, was a little bit hurt, especially in the home run category. Like you mentioned the other stats, like the aggregate stats, the OPS plus WRC plus perfectly in line with his career averages. Uh, he compensated with uh, above average batting average in, in some like walks plus hit by pitches that really you know were nice to see. Uh, maybe not the hit by pitches were nice to see, but at least he benefited by getting on base when it came to like the opposite field power. Like that did not result in home runs this past year. When we saw Andrew Vaughn struggle with the same thing, like you look at his home run charts and there's only one dot on the right side of the outfield for home run, just because it was just really hard to leave the ball uh, sorry, leave the yard uh, that direction with the way the ball played. And that was a league wide problem. But I think the white Sox with guys like, Abreu, Vaughn, Jimenez, who have all field power, that really did not help this year. So, like, if his bat is slowing a little bit with age and some of that error, um, yeah, the better air contact goes to the right side because he's finding it harder to pull the ball in the air with authority, that might be a case where, you know, he might find it hard to get back to 25 homers, maybe even 20 homers, depending on the park, uh, just because, uh, you know, opposite field home runs are hard to come by and, and theoretically guaranteed right field should be a friendly park for right-handed hitters going the other way because uh, we see it with left-handed hitters. They really do well at guaranteed rate, just with the way the ball carries and he and so many other White Sox hitters did not benefit from that this year. So if the ball returns to what it used to be, and you can maybe think it will because uh, major league baseball and Rawlings really don't know what they're doing when it comes to quality control and the way the baseball is going, like, you know, he could be fine. And, you know, the, the, the home runs turn into double. So it's not a case where like he was selling out for homers and they disappeared. Like the way we saw with Yonder Alonso and uh, you know, Edwin Encarnacion and such like they, in their late thirties and well, Alonso was in his early thirties, but as the client set in, they sold out for homers. And when the homers disappeared, they had nothing. In this case, like some of the homers went back to doubles for Abreu, but if you're looking for a home run guy, that is probably behind him. Like 30 home run days seem like they're behind him. Uh, and then you just have to wonder if the rest of his game might eventually succumb to the aging issues as well. But that's really it. You know, some of the scoops were sloppy early on. Like he had some uh, issues in the field. Uh, he was uncharacteristically error prone Uh I'm looking at his error total now, 11 errors compared to five in 2020 and five in 2021. So like uh career high in errors, which hadn't been like him. Uh, so that was a little bit unfortunate, but otherwise through just as well, eventually the scooping cleaned up a little bit. So 
you know, I think you still find a play every day in the field or most days in the field, uh, especially for teams not expecting greatness at first base. But really, it's just the power and wondering if that was the first thing to go and other things are going to kind of go tumbling into the sea as well. Yeah. When you speak about the power against four seamers in 2022, Abreu still had a great exit velocity against four seamers. He averaged 94 miles per hour exit velocity against that pitch with an 11 degree launch angle compared to 2021. Uh, he averaged 95.3 miles per hour exit velocity and 13 degree launch angle. So uh, not as great of a launch angle, two degrees shorter than he did in 2021, but the exit velocity is still great against four seamers. He improved greatly against sinkers. And I'm making this point now because I am starting to read and I'm starting to see that maybe pitchers are starting to throw more two seamers now. This has been a very heavy four-seamer slider league for a couple of seasons, but now pitchers are starting to get the idea, well, maybe I can combine my two-seamer with the slider so I could throw this sinking fastball that really tunnels with the slider going to next year. So keep an eye on that uh, in 2023 and beyond. Uh, There's some talk about that from pitchers, but Abreu had an average exit velocity of 94.2 miles per hour against sinkers in 2022. The drop-off is against sliders. In 2021, Abreu had an exit velocity, average exit velocity of 91 miles an hour. In 2022, it was 88 miles per hour. The whiff rate cut down by 3% in 2022, but its launch angle against sliders decreased by 7%. So Abreu in 2021 had 10 home runs off of sliders. That dropped to just three in 2022. So I'm wondering against the slider in particular, Abreu made some type of swing adjustment to get the ball more in play rather than driving the ball out of the stadium. But as you mentioned before, the ball. If the ball changes, does Abreu's approach change? Because he was hitting really poorly in mid-May, but then he made some type of adjustment and got hot, especially going into the All-Star break, Jim, and he finished with terrific numbers uh, after he was hitting about 197 in mid-May with a below 300 on base percentage. But I agree with you. I think the concern for any team is, is this still a 15-home run guy? And how much money do you throw at a first baseman who only hits 15 home runs? On that topic, let's discuss what a, another contract for Jose Abreu is going to look like. This will be his third major league contract. Any ideas on what you think Jose Abreu can fetch in free agency, Jim? I would think something, Yeah, I think you could maybe get two years from a team. Just because when you look at some uh, first base uh, issues around the league. Like there are some high profile teams that got nothing from their first baseman in 2022, like the Red Sox and Astros among them who got uh, terrible performances from their first baseman. You have the Marlins who got really nothing from first base and, you know, Abreu is a Miami guy. So, you know, perhaps that's a case. Yeah. You know, that's, that's maybe his, his natural move for him to go to like his, his, I guess, either second or first home, depending on how you look at it in the States. I, I think there are enough teams that just got nothing to where like a Brayu is still 
very much a valid option. And, you know, I, I might think if, you know, it were a sane, you know, logical, rational market that Abreu would get one year with maybe like a, a club option or something like that, or maybe some, uh, some vesting type uh, categories to where like, you know, he might be able to guarantee a second year hitting certain benchmarks with so many teams out there just having a, a really uh, a void at first base. I, I think there's some team that could give him two. And I'm thinking like, you know, two for 30 sounds, I guess, reasonable. Like I'm trying to think what, you yeah, know, now I'm thinking about it out loud and thinking about two year contracts for first base. What did Anthony Rizzo get? Uh, two for 32. Yeah. So that sounds about right to me. You know, I, I think he was a, a guy who maybe entered the, uh, free agency at the wrong time when like, you know, there just wasn't anybody really looking for a 20 home run guy. Uh, and you know, he also, his batting average cratered a little bit. So he's coming off a down year and had to prove it a little bit. Uh, Abreu is really, his bet is still fine. It's just really one department's power that is really question mark, but you know, with high profile teams looking for a first baseman, um, I think he could maybe get a second year out of a team. So for Rizzo, he signed a two-year 32 deal, but the second year is a player option. Okay. So Rizzo could opt out of his deal with the New York Yankees. Uh, again, the Yankees probably would, wouldn't mind having Rizzo come back the way that they signed this contract, but that's what they signed Anthony Rizzo for last year was two years at $32 million. And that's the number that I also came up with because – Let's say if this is the Jose Abreu moving forward, Jim, where he's an 820 OPS guy, but it's more on the on-base percentage because his his walk rate is above 9%. His strikeout rate is between 16 and 18%, and he constantly puts the ball in play, and he hits a bunch of singles. Well, that's the right-handed version of Michael Brantley. Hmm. And Michael Brantley signed a two-year $32 million deal with the Houston Astros. So with Universal DH in place now, and as you mentioned, so many teams are, are looking to have someone that could solidify first base for them. And we've already talked about one of the positives about Abreu is that the guy plays more than 150 games, no matter how many times you hit him uh, with a pitch, that I could see a team signing Jose Abreu to a two-year $32 million contract this offseason, which is still pretty good money for Jose Abreu. And if let's say if we're right about that, if it is like a two-year $32 million deal to get Jose Abreu to sign with you, do you think the White Sox make that offer? I don't think so, just because the books are pretty scary for them. And first base is theoretically one of the few places where they can get cheaper and maintain the quality of performance. Like, I'm a little bit of a skeptic on Andrew Vaughn just because not necessarily, not necessarily personally with Vaughn, but just more a matter of just how the White Sox have forced him to uh, tread water. And he's done a good job of that. But I think there are some shortcomings with his overall body of work, especially the way he wears down the second half to where like it would have been helpful to have like a, a couple years in the minors just to per, you know, allow him to develop a routine and face pitchers every day and get used to the grind and also wait until his natural position opens up to where he doesn't have to play uh, league worst outfield in order to have his bat in the lineup and completely sink his value. So I have some questions about his, you know, ultimate impact going forward, but 
I can also see a case where, you know, he plays first base, hits near 325 homers and has a very Abreu-looking line at the end of it, you know, given that his, his responsibilities are lessened to where he plays his natural position. So it's hard to see, uh, given the glut of first base DH types, especially like if Aloy Jimenez also has to play more DH than they'd previously planned due to the injuries he's had that I don't see a way for Abreu to come back on those terms if they want to improve other areas of the team. I agree. So what team or teams do you think could be possible landing spots for Jose Abreu? I think if you limit it to places that can win, which I think, you know, I would probably do if I were Abreu. Um, the two obvious ones are Houston. Uh, Yuli Gurriel is going to be a free agent after the year, and he had a terrible year. They got, uh, from their first baseman, according to Fangraphs, uh, 1.4 wins below replacement from their group of first basemen. And then you have Boston with Bobby Dahlbeck kind of flopping and uh, Eric Hosmer, you know, that salary dump, uh, he he was there and they, they weren't really invested in him at all. Like, they really could use a first base and maybe the green monster is a place that, or, or a thing that could revitalize uh, Abreu's power a little bit uh, just because he did have some balls come to the base of the wall at guaranteed right field. A lot of warning track shots that way that could be doubles or it could, you know, clear the wall if they're hit high enough. So it, if I'm looking for a you know, place for a right-handed hitter who just reached the warning track a lot, Boston's left field is probably a really good place for somebody like him to rediscover his power. So those were the two obvious candidates. You have Miami too, which I mentioned is you know, a place that's uh, really hard to contend just with the strength of the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies. But in terms of like, if he just wants to be in a place where he wants to be uh, for personal reasons, like Miami might have him. Um, and then you have like Pittsburgh and Houston and the angels and stuff. So maybe the angels are uh, one landing spot that could be interesting for him. But I think uh, when you're looking for a place that could revitalize his power, like the Crawford boxes, in Houston and the green monster in Fenway seem to be like the two leading obvious candidates for a short contract for Abreu. I really like those ideas, Jim. And I've been joking about Houston because it just seems like a natural fit for where they are in the stage of their contention window and just how that stadium is at minute made. But now that you mentioned Boston, I could totally see Jose Abreu fitting in with that team, especially with Alex Cora as the manager, it would break my heart, though, if Abreu signed with the Houston Astros. I would be happy for him, Jim, because he's got a chance to go back to the postseason, and he's got a great chance of winning the pennant and making it to the World Series. But I just can't root for the Houston Astros. I could, I could root for Abreu to do well, but I, I can't root for him to do that well, if that makes sense, if that yeah. if that came to fruition. I mean, I'm kind of wrestling that with Dusty Baker. Like, I'm happy for his success, and I'm happy, you know, that he might get a chance to win that ring, which is the only thing, you know, missing from his profile. But I wish he could do it with another team to where, like, you don't have to hope. I, I guess I treat it more as like a consolation uh, prize for dealing with, you know, the just the idea of the Astros being good and everybody doubting the Astros and, you know, having that cloud still hanging over everything because none of the players really had to suffer any consequences for what happened uh five years ago so yeah i get you i get what you mean and uh i was thinking with houston that you know they might want to move jordan alvarez you know maybe to first base but watching him play left field this postseason like he doesn't strike me as a liability out there like it seems like he can do a couple more years before you know maybe that body has to go 
to first base. But right now, it seems like he's got enough athleticism, certainly the arm strength, to play out there, especially home games where, um, you know, the, the Crawford boxes basically allow the left fielder to play behind the, the shortstop. Well, that will do it for this 2022 play review for Jose Breu. Jim, as always, man, thank you so much for hopping on and helping me recap Abreu's 2022 season. And we know that we have at least one more podcast episode to talk about Jose Abreu wherever and whenever he does sign with a new team in free agency. I guess that's when we'll talk about whether there's going to be a statue. Exactly. And when his number will be retired, all that fun stuff. But thank you for listening to this 2022 player review. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. If you enjoy our work and you want more, you can sign up to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get exclusive content, ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. When there's new Sox Machine swag in the store, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, and you can save with an annual subscription. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your own for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.